Welcome to Between the Covers, the show for readers and writers and lovers of books. I'm Stephanie, and I'm a publisher at Red Penguin Books, where we publish books of all types and genres. So while you, whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still in your head, or maybe even 300 sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, please visit us at redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. And yes, we do still get envelopes filled with 300 sheets of handwritten loosely. <laughs> I have a, an amazing assistant who can read and type that stuff. It does happen. But I do have three authors today who have unleashed their inner author. And luckily, they also know how to type, which is <laughs> a huge plus for me. Our authors tonight range all up and down the East Coast. Our first author tonight, Donna Keel Armour, is the author of The Red Starfish. It's the first in the Cat Gabbiano mystery series, and you're going to love hearing about Cat and her adventures on this side of the pond, as well as in beautiful Italy. Our second author today, Michael Vecchioni, is the author of Fallen Angel, The War for the Soul of Brooklyn. This is book two in the series. If you were lucky enough to read book one, you've been waiting on the edge of your seat. If not, you have some catching up to do. And our third author today, Susanna Pratt, is the author of How Do You Do? My Name is Sue. Susanna has had quite the life, and I'm so thrilled that she put it in a book. And yes, that's Susanna on the cover with the rhino. So first, we're going to meet Donna and what Donna writes about the red starfish. Kidnapped, murdered, or another publicity stunt. A gorgeous film star and her priceless starfish necklace disappear. What do the indecipherable clues she leaves behind mean? Desperate to find her missing friend, Kat Gabbiano abandons her home and business in the South Carolina low country to fly across the ocean to Italy, where she and her best friend spent magical childhood summers. Will Kat solve the mystery of her friend's disappearance or will she become the next victim? Woven against the alluring Adriatic coastline of Puglia, the red starfish mixes a dangerous cocktail of power, corruption, passion, and the forever friendship of two captivating women. Please welcome our author. Thanks so much, Donna, for joining us. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited about being here and with the uh, other authors, too. That's great. I'm thrilled to have you uh, adore your book. You know that I absolutely adore it, especially since I do have to read your book with a glass of wine and, and a little plate of, uh, you know, some caprese or something going on because your book makes me hungry. That's for sure. <laughs> I know it's a mystery, but your food descriptions are out of this world. Thank you. So tell our viewers a little bit about you and how you got your start in writing. Well, I came to writing extremely late uh, after I retired. However, the very first thing that I remember or recall about writing is my diary that I was given for the Christmas that I was seven years old. And so I started journaling and I have continued all my life. I do it now, which is how my first book was published because when I decided to write a book, I had all the journals 
photographs, the pictures, and I was just able to pull them all together. Uh, my love for Italy didn't start until 1995, which was my first trip there. So I've been traveling there for 28 years. And also, um, in another life, I was a restaurant owner, a caterer, and also a bed and breakfast. And before that, I was in corporate America. So I've always written, I've always had to do event plans, and I've always had to do manuals of those kinds of things. But it was after I retired that I decided, well, what have I wanted to do all my life? And I love photography and I love writing. So I combined the two and sent my first article off to a local magazine. Of course, it was on Italy. And they accepted it and said, then the editor contacted me and said, would you like to do freelance writing for us? And I said, I'd love to. So I did that for a few years. But writing for um, magazines or short stories are very restrictive. You've got that word count. You've got these deadlines. You've got all this stuff going on. And I thought, well, I really want to write a book. And the funny thing is, my husband and I were in Puglia, and I was standing on the terrace of this beautiful place we were staying. And I said to him, it was it was very late at night. We were having that last glass of wine. And there was a, a marina below us. And the cars would drive slowly down, just a few. And they'd cut off their headlights or they'd flash them. And I said to my husband, there's a murder mystery here. And I'm going to write that. <laughs> so... <laughs> But I didn't. I wrote my memoir like Susanna did hers. I wrote that first. Um, and it, But it wasn't until I moved to Beaufort that I found this fantastic writing group who just encouraged me and said, um, you need to write a book about all your experiences. So that's how the first book came to be. And then the murder mystery was just lurking in my mind all that time. So even before I got the first book published, I had started on that murder mystery. <laughs> I, I love that. that. <laughs> you know, maybe we're going to get Susanna to write a murder mystery next. You know, <laughs> you never know, do you, Susanna? <laughs> I think that uh, Michael, we may have to go backwards, although he combines the two, which you'll hear all about in just. <laughs> Uh, Donna, that's an awful lot of living. Um, a bed and breakfast, a caterer, corporate America, all this traveling. And, and and you're barely 40. I don't know how you managed to squeeze <laughs> I <it>. wish. <laughs> I will never see the light of day of 40 again. <laughs> Did you ever find out if there was some sort of a thing going on with all those lights flashing down below your uh, your villa there? I, I didn't, but I'm, I'm also doing a tour to Italy next year, a small group tour. And that's one of the places I'm going to take them because I want them to not only see where Solo and Salento took place, but where the Red Starfish took place. Oh. And um, it's everything is still there. And it, it, it just made such a perfect setting for drug smuggling. I mean, what else can I say? It was perfect. And they used the fishing boats, which was perfect because they could offload the fish with the drugs hidden in, in under the ice. <laughs> so it just made sense to me that that should all happen and happen there. I love um, that we're going to have like an author book lover tour of Italy going on here. Yes. Great. Yeah, I'm it's, so it's, excited. I'm 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Interrupt. I just want to ask you, did you ever think that it might be a lover's lane down there with the cars um, parking and um, and people turning their their headlights off so that nobody would look into the car or see into the car? That would be a possibility. But I think the flashing oh. lights, unless they were discreetly meeting. Were oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and if they flashed two and a half times or something, that wouldn't be that car. <laughs> no, I say it because. Because I grew up in Brooklyn, and one of the places that was a spot like that was right under the Verrazano Bridge. Wow. Um, there's a place where you can park and you can turn the lights off, and um, you know, and you could drink wine and do whatever you want in the car at that point. So, <laughs> what better place than than Puglia to uh, to to do that overlooking the Mediterranean Ad or the Adriatic? Adriatic, Adriatic. and it's I very stark. I mean, the contrast. And that was what I loved also is that karstic rock is very rugged. It's it's not yeah. a, a highly populated area either. So it's a good place, a much better it's a good place for either lovers or smuggling. There you, go. <laughs> you, you can do both, I suppose. <laughs> the heel of the boot, right? Isn't that what Puglia yes, is? Yes. Yeah. And and the look the two towns that I I merged to be Castello del Mare are actually Otranto and Castro di Marina. So those are the two that I've spent a lot of time in. And so I kind of merged them together to create this one village um, where these two women had uh, spent all their childhoods, their childhood summers growing up. So of course they're, they're Italian-American. Kat's uh, name is Caterina Maria Lucia Gabbiano. <laughs> what a great name what a great name yeah. so and and i did uh, my first book was translated into italian and i, I did a 10-week book tour there so it was so exciting and that's why i want to do a small group tour uh and take people back just for that full immersion kind of thing that is so near and dear to me because i'm a slow traveler i'm not a up to this place and that place. I'm going to put my roots down and hang out with local people. And it's just a wonderful experience. And I hope I convey that in the Red Starfishes. Absolutely. Absolutely. To Michael's uh, wonderment about what was going on down there, I guess that's the difference between a romance writer and a mystery writer. Donna's <laughs> looking down and she's thinking drugs. Maybe there was <laughs> another balcony and there are people who are concocting a whole love story at the same time with the flashing lights going on. <laughs> but you were born Possibly. to be a history writer. <laughs> well, you're, uh, Michael, your last name is Italian. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my family comes from the uh, Naples area. My, and my, and my grandmother was born in a, in a, in a place called Castellamare di Stabile oh. and, uh, in, in and around the, you know, the, the uh, uh, Naples, my father was from a town called Nola, my grandfather, I should say. So um, it uh, so I, I, I and I've been back many times and I'm going back in May to um, to Italy. We got rented a villa in uh, San Gimignano up in Tuscany. And yeah. uh, we're going to, you know, to to, to walk around and go around. And uh, it's it's a wonderful country and a beautiful. It is. It's so beautiful. I love the antiquity, but and the food and the wine, but the people are Wonderful, wonderful. They taught me how to take the shell away from my heart, how to let the light in, because life is tough. And I ex have experienced a lot of pain and rejection and all sorts of things that have gone on in my life. 
And it was really those trips to Italy that taught me again to be vulnerable and to open up and embrace life fully and to learn how simply to be. You know, as Americans, we do all the time. <laughs> We're busy, do we got to make exactly. it happen? Exactly. And, and they just taught me how important it is if you meet this person on the street, you stop. And, you know, they're your friend or neighbor and you talk to them and you might have an appointment with the dentist, but, you know, the dentist understands. So he'll wait while you're having the conversation and then he devotes himself to you when you come. It's, exactly. It's American dentists don't wait. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I love it. Well, Donnie, you sold me and I will be buying your book as soon Thank as we you. get off the uh, off the oh. <laughs> off the air tonight. I, I, I love anything about Italy and uh, and I will I will certainly enjoy and it's a murder mystery so it's perfect yeah it's, a murder mystery. Yes. it's perfect for you Michael and I'm yeah. telling you make sure you pour a glass of wine while you read it because you're going to want, it's it's a it's a murder mystery with amazing every time they say let's just open a bottle of wine and the next thing you know there's cheese there's olives there's a little <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Well, Stephanie, just, you 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 know from from reading Fallen Angel and Fallen Angel Two that the character and and his 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 sidekick Sal Romano, who is a, a Monsignor, spend a lot of time in an Italian restaurant in Brooklyn. Absolutely, and, absolutely. I'm all about food reading. You can see yeah. my on the show. I'm all about food reading. There you go. <laughs> That's definitely what sold me on Donna. Was the first time I read her, and I said. God, I'm hungry just for <laughs> Wonderful. This is amazing. So, so, John, I have a question. You've written a memoir, and, and this is so we can encourage Susanna over there. Um, and, and now you've written a, a murder mystery. Tell me about the difference in writing between the two of those. Was one harder, one easier? Did you approach it differently? Because we need Susanna to get into fiction next. So yes. give us some little tips on a memoirist who went rogue. <laughs> <laughs> I, Susanna, I think writing a memoir was extremely difficult and very painful. Yes. Um, and trying to figure out what I could and couldn't say. <laughs> that was very <laughs> difficult also. Uh, some people are still alive, so you can't say this or that. So writing fiction just freed me up. It was so joyful. And I had so much fun just making up everything. And it just flowed beautifully. Uh, so for me, it, I love the transition and the switch. Mm. And, and writing the memoir was what opened the door that, hey, I can do this. Yeah, it's you same know. thing happened to me. So. Wow, um, I think I'm going to be following right along. Yeah, right. you should do it. <laughs> Absolutely you are. Well, for all of our viewers, you definitely want to grab your copy of The Red Starfish. Grab it now while you're there. Um, also, uh, find Donna's memoir because you'll definitely want to read that and you're going to see a whole lot of tie-ins in there between <laughs> that and the murder mystery, which is going to continue on. Now, Michael Vecchione had a little different way of combining his memoir and his book because Michael actually lived a lot of his fiction book about Fallen Angel, the war, war for the soul of Brooklyn. Our author writes, there's a war for the very soul of Brooklyn and the stakes are higher than ever. When perpetrators of particularly heinous and insidious crimes were acquitted after trial, 
in an alarmingly large numbers across America, it caught the attention of a priest in the Vatican's Office of Exorcisms in New York, who noticed that all preceded satanic exorcisms. His shuddering conclusion, Satan must be directly responsible for the crimes and their aftermath. In the United States, the devil was winning and causing anarchy, chaos, and the destruction of life. The Fallen Angel series begins when Brooklyn becomes ground zero for the evil one, and prosecutor Michael Giacca, chief of the Brooklyn District Attorney's Rackets Division, is handpicked by a secret government agency to take on and defeat the devil. In book one, Giacca gets the best of his evil adversary time and time again. So Satan must up his game if he wants to succeed in his mission, the destruction of Brooklyn. For decades, family has been the cornerstone of the rich, vibrant life of Brooklyn, the borough of churches. Without it, life there would crumble. The evil one has recognized this and has taken aim at that essential institution. If you love crime, fantasy, and delving into the unknown, The Fallen Angel, a true crime fantasy book two, tells the story of the war for the soul of Brooklyn. Will Satan succeed or will Michael once again prevail? Please welcome author, Michael Vecchione. Thank you for, uh, we all want to read that book for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you stephanie thank you for having me and that was a great reading by the way i, I oh, love that's, your... that's my favorite part of the show i got <laughs> like the dramatic reading you know yeah, I, 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 it was that was terrific i um I always get to do that but please because i i know the answer to this but uh our two other authors and our viewers certainly do not your tie in with these stories well um when I retired from uh, the practice of law, I've been practicing law for a very long time. I was the chief of the rackets division in the Brooklyn district attorney's office. Wow. And, um, and I had, I, before fallen angel, I had written four um, true crime books all about, well, three of the four, all about cases of my own. And, um, and one crooked Brooklyn was a, was, was a memoir, not of my entire career, but of a, eight year period where I did a corruption investigation that led to a second one, to a third one and to a fourth one. And at the end of the day, um, three Supreme Court judges were convicted of felonies. Two of them went to jail. The head of the Democratic Party and the third ranking member of the assembly in Brooklyn went to jail. Um, and um, and and it became a a, a thing that my buddy Jerry Schmetterer, who was the the chief spokesperson for the DA's office, and I said, you know, when we leave this place, and we felt that the DA was not going to be there forever, and when we leave this place, we should write about this eight year period. And um, so, Crooked Brooklyn became the the product of that time after we left the office. Um, I then wrote another book, and we wrote yet another book, and. Um, and then unfortunately, and, and Stephanie knows this, my buddy Jerry died, passed away from uh, from a, a really horrific brain cancer. And um, and I sat at this desk where I'm sitting right now one afternoon and I said, what am I going to do now? You know, what am I what am I going to write about? And um, 
And I decided that I looked to my left and if I could change, turn this around, you'd see all of the boxes next to underneath the staircase in my apartment. They contain virtually all the summations that I that I have ever delivered, handwritten in um, in my career. And that's a lot of summations, other files, other things that I that I took with me from the DA's office. And they contain um, lots of stories and all of the cases that I did um were in my opinion ripe for 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 reading and 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 I wanted to share all of this stuff because I was proud of of what I had done and um and I I was told however that uh, with true crime you need to have a beginning middle and end and they said you know short stories not going to work find a way to tie them together and and again I sat here and I said you know I do have something I can tie them together and I put to, I had this idea a long time ago about the devil coming to Brooklyn and um, and wreaking havoc uh, on what has become, quite frankly, I've read just recently, the most expensive place in New York City to live is now Brooklyn. And um, and it, it's a wonderful place. I grew up playing stickball in the street of Brooklyn. I went to college in Brooklyn, high school in Brooklyn um undergraduate school i mean uh, uh elementary school in brooklyn and spent 30 some odd years in the brooklyn district attorney's office so so brooklyn was really my home and um and i had done a case once and this is really the the, the beginning of the idea done a case once against an fbi agent who had committed four murders and um and it was a case that i took a lot of heat for for bringing and um and it was, I, I really have to say that it was a very difficult time in my life. I mean, I had I had to worry about his friends doing investigations about my family. I had gotten a call from someone in Florida telling me that, why are these retired FBI agents asking me about you? And and I knew what it was. So after the case was over, Jerry my and, and I said, you know, let's think about something we can do with this with this story. And we never wrote the story of the FBI agent because we couldn't. Um, I had to unfortunately dismiss the case because of a problem with a witness. And um, and I and we thought about what would happen if you had won the case? What would, you know, and, and the FBI agent was as popular as the guy who you had, um, who you were, you were trying. And I took a lot of heat and didn't win the case. Imagine if I had won. And, um, and the, prosecutor in my idea became a fallen angel. He was uh, riding high. He convicted this FBI agent. And now nobody in law enforcement wanted to have anything to do with him. Um, and it was perfect because the cases that I had dealt with really did have evil attached to them. One in particular, which is the last story in, um, in, in book one about the death of a young woman on the Williamsburg Bridge. And um, it was a case that that I will never forget because of the horror that was attached to it. And in my summation, I called the defendant the devil. I said, the devil really came to Brooklyn. So, so the whole thing came together and um, I had spoken to a couple of agents. They said, nah, that's not going to work. And then my angel came through and that was <laughs> Stephanie. I, I sent, I asked her if she would meet with me and I brought her, a, I, I said, I have this idea. And, um, and she loved it. And she said, send me a, a proposal. I said, well, you know, I happen to have the proposal right here. And I handed it to her. 
And a couple of days later, she called me and said, um, not only do I love it, but my editors love it. And I don't want you to write one book. I want you to do three books because it's a series kind of thing. And you can't, you know, you can't, you can't end it after one book. So that's the, that's the history. And, um, and, and every told me there might be more than three books. Cause he just can't stop. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I'm, I'm glad you said that you remember our conversation. I, um, I, I am in the middle Right. No, I shouldn't say in the middle. I'm nine chapters into writing book three, Stephanie. So you know that now. But I have enough from what I've done in my career to to do a book four, five, and probably a six. That's how many, how long, and 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 um, how many cases I've done. And um, and and it's it's been a labor of love, quite frankly. I, you know, I, I've told this to Stephanie many times. I, I really thank her for for having the 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 courage to to allow me to do my first novel. I mean, Fallen Angel was a, was my novel, but, um, and, and to accept my category of a true crime fantasy, which doesn't exist in literature. So, um, and she is, you know, that kind of person who is, 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 is not, not afraid to take a chance. We're doing so, it. Well, well, we're hoping to see it on the on a bigger screen too at some point. Yeah, I did. I did wow. option Fallen Angel one, and um, I read just today. I read the latest uh, iteration of the pilot, uh, the script of the pilot for for ep for the first episode, and um, and it's it's really it's really wonderful. And I and I'm hoping now that the the actor strike will be settled. I know. Writer strike was settled. The actor strike is settled, and the guys out in Hollywood who represent me will take it out into the marketplace. They're confident that they'll be able to sell it. So I, I can't wait for it to to be on the screen. And I got to tell you, Stephanie, the um, the 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 pilot does while it's it it's made for television, obviously written for television. Um, they do use a lot of my of the things that I have put into that I had put into book one. And I also noticed that in the latest pilot, because I had sent them the um, manuscript for book two, because I thought maybe they could use some of it for he did use a little bit of the some of the touches from book two in in the pilot as well. So so I, I'm really very excited and very happy and um, and and. Today I was I, all I did was sit at this computer and 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 write this book and um, it, it really it really warms my heart to do it and um, and, and again I, I really thank you and I can't thank you enough for uh, for pleasure. having faith in me. But so. uh, your, yours is a very interesting mix of you know sometimes it fits neatly. This is a memoir. This is a novel, and you've got a lot of blurry lines in there because you lived all of this stuff. Yeah, I do. I do. And um, I do because um, I, you know, it's, it's my story, except I can't tell it. The, I, I think it's much more interesting to tell it with the evil one being the guy who I'm battling all the time, as opposed to some of the, you know, the people that I actually did oh, battle. Right. Exactly. Yes, You're yes. writing autobiographical fiction. Right. I am. Yes. That's exactly that's what, what I'm doing. That's what Pat Conroy did. Yeah. I always have to put a plug in for, for yes. Southern writers. Well, that's wonderful. And Here's I've read, I've read some of the stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and I have to tell you that I agree with you, Donna, that when I went from, from true crime to this novel slash, you know, true fantasy crime, it does free you. And, um, and I remember when I did Crooked Brooklyn, 
the amount of of uh, editing and the amount of the amount number of phone calls I got from the publishers legal division to did this really happen? Did this judge say exactly that? Did he say this or did she say that? It was unbelievable how much I had to go through um, to make sure that they were happy and that they were they will so lawsuit free, you know, or, yeah. or so. So I, I love doing this, doing it this way, because Stephanie hit it right on the head. This is a mixture. And I tell my story, but I can do it in a way that I can make I can give myself cover because yes. it's it's not it's a novel. So, you yes. know, I can I can say some things that I wouldn't be able to say if it was if it was a, a true crime book. So, uh, now, Michael, I think we should steal a page from Donna's playbook here and plan a Brooklyn author tour. That'd maybe, be great. That'd like, be great. The hot spots, maybe stopping for a pizza here or a glass of wine. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Up at the restaurant where they would eat with the Monsignor. I think yep. we should definitely yes. do a Brooklyn tour. Well, you know, I call that place Emilio's, but that's not the real name of the place, obviously. And that place does exist. It exists on Court Street in Brooklyn, not far from where I live. And, and if I have at the time, I just want to tell just a, a very quick story. When that place opened um, and it was opening, I should say, I had done a, an interview with a with a, a really notorious wise guy down in, in, in a hospital in, in North Carolina. And he gave me information about a about a body that he had buried in this location in Brooklyn. So I and two detectives went to the spot and we went onto the street and it was a, um, it was the back room of this newly soon to be opened Italian restaurant. And I said, well, what are we going to do? We can't tear up this entire back room. These guys are just building this place and putting it together, but they're, they don't know this. But in the back room of that restaurant, wherever their storage is, there is a body buried and it's buried under the concrete of the store of the the floor of that store. So um, it's, you know, when I, I have another another thing that we wrote called It's Brooklyn and I and I'm going to use it at some point. And um, <laughs> but that's it. That's it. It's Brooklyn, you know, and um, that's what I lived for, uh, for, I guess, 40 years of my career in in that uh, in that 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 genre and that you know that venue and and in that atmosphere so uh, and I wouldn't give one year back one year back at all and I I loved every every single minute of it doing that work not necessarily the people I worked with but the, <laughs> doing the work bad people really bad people yeah 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 <laughs> that's for sure well for our viewers you definitely want to grab your copy of. Fallen Angel, a true crime fantasy. Yes, the category that Michael invented for his book. <laughs> um, please look back and get Fallen Angel 1 first, just so you can catch up on the story, and then catch us for Fallen Angel 2. And now our third author, who I hope is completely inspired to go rogue and go fiction after <laughs> tonight, uh, Susanna Pratt is the author of How Do You Do? My Name is Sue. And our author writes, it was 2020 and I was looking for something to ease the self-enforced quarantine of the COVID-19 lockdown. An attractive brochure from Hutton House Lectures arrived in the mail. I signed up for a Zoom course called Write a Chapter of Your Life, given by Lisa Pulitzer. 
Writing for that course stirred so many memories of the 90 years of my life that I decided to extend the chapter into a book. Those memories saw me grow and develop from a depression baby born in 1933 into a naive bride just out of high school. Suddenly, I was a housewife and a mother of four children born over five short years, and then widowed at age 39. I began as a girl with virtually no knowledge of how the world worked, and eventually became an independent woman with a curiosity about life. I've traveled to many wonderful places on five continents, and then at age 84, I entered into a new way of life with a second marriage. Our combined family of 60 children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren are very important to both of us. In this memoir, I have set forth some of the memories of my life's journeys in hopes that a reader might get a glimpse of me as a growing, evolving woman and appreciate some of the experiences and observations I have been able to recall. I'm so excited to introduce you to first-time author, Susanna Pratt. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for asking, Stephanie. Oh, thrilled to have you. Uh, I'm sorry if I had to say rather loudly your age there. I know we, we should never say that, but <laughs> your description and everyone who meets you is absolutely blown away. Yes. <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm stunned. <laughs> Absolutely blown away. Um, we had an author uh, barbecue recently yes. at our house and Susanna and her lovely husband were in attendance. And I couldn't help but after they left to say to the people left there, how old do you think that they are? And nobody came within even 20 years of being. <laughs> wow. I gotta tremendous. tell you, not even close. Wow. So yes, yeah, quite something. It was, it was quite, I mean, for you, you you journaled this whole time, thank goodness, because trying to remember details, and there are details in this book. I've read this book. There are details that you remembered. <laughs> yes, there are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I never, ever thought I would uh, do any anything like this, and the experience of learning, and as you said, each time you write something, uh, you know, it sparks another memory. And uh, uh, it surprised even me when I, I started, I would tell my husband, George, you know, this story that way and this, that after six years, he kept saying, no, I didn't hear that story. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been a wonderful experience. My original thought was perhaps my family would like to know who this woman was. And so that was kind of what propelled me. But again, with the help of Stephanie uh, and Lisa Pulitzer, uh, they inspired me to go on. And, and you know, it's funny, writing a memoir must kick off the idea of wanting to write fiction. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I got thinking about it. And, you know, what you said, it frees you up to give all these kinds of uh, experiences. They're semi-true, maybe semi-biographical, but... Um, 
So I'm fooling around with that. I'm I'm sort of like, uh, this is kind of fun. I, I've had trouble getting from third person to first person. <laughs> uh, and uh, my husband has been a wonderful uh, um, proofreader and uh, organizer and helped. I don't think this ever would have happened without him. That's why I dedicated the book to him because his life has always been one of uh, education and uh you might be interested to know this. He was a retired federal judge in the second district. <laughs> and uh, so he, I know each other. <laughs> he, uh, he well, I've heard of Judge Pratt, that's for sure. So is that who, you're, who your husband who is? That's married to, okay. yes. There you go. Uh, he's, he's sitting here with me. But uh, it was, it's been, he's written enough books that, you know, he could help me when I was having some difficulties. But it's really been a true experience. And somehow, uh, now that it's been published and people have seen it and talked about it, they felt it's kind of a journey where you say, oh my goodness, she did that? I could have done that. Or I didn't know you could do this. And and so it's not just about me, it's about life's journeys and what you run into, whether it's religion or whether it's education. Um, our combined large families have given me lots and lots of resources. So um, it was a great experience. The picture on the book cover of me feeding the rhinoceros, I had taken a six person safari to, to Africa and they took us out into this field. And uh, there's two type of rhinoceros, white and black, I think. And it depends on how they eat. One's a ground feeder and one um, takes its food off bushes and shrubs. And uh, I was absolutely in no danger at all. This um, felt I could move, I could dance circles around him and he wouldn't even know I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but when I came home with the picture, my son-in-law said, could I have a copy of that picture? I said, sure, but why? He says, I wanna put it on my desk and label it mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it was a bona fide true, and that's one of the stories I talk about going to Africa. Uh, and um, it's it's uh, I still haven't quite believed it. And I'm so glad to hear other authors and similar journeys that you've taken. You've kind of encouraged me to think some more about it. Absolutely. Well, I I'm sure with 90 years of memories, <laughs> more difficult things that you've faced Certainly with the memoir, we were talking about how uh, if these people are still alive, you have to watch what you say and things. But even just making decisions about what's in and what's out mm -hmm. before you end up with a book that's 4,000 pages long. <laughs> right. uh, I'm sure there's a lot of decision making as to what's in and what's out. And I think that um, I'll, I'll do a little shout out to your mentor, Lisa Pulitzer, who I think was on our show about two weeks ago. Oh, uh, Lisa is a fabulous um, author in her own right of about 50 books or something. Wow. And, um, and uh, writer and ghost writer and editor and, and coach, et cetera. And uh, for her to work with you to, to, to differentiate between what goes in. And I think a lot of that had to do with you having a 
focus. Your focus on wanting people to see this evolution of growth, which I think was a really great focus. You didn't get boggled down with what we had for dinner on Thursday night, <laughs> other things. You actually did present what your description says, which is you evolving and growing from a, a depression baby to a, an independent woman who, who raised her children and you know, put dinner on the table and worked full time and did all these amazing things that you would have never thought yourself capable of as a young bride. And then becoming a newlywed later in life <laughs> is just such a wonderful romantic, uh, you know, end of the story there. So I, I really commend you and uh, your mentor on keeping a thread because I think a lot of people who want to write memoirs like yourself, don't get it done because they get too boggled down in, oh, but I didn't mention that that Tuesday I broke my toe. You know what? It really didn't. <laughs> you had to really keep the thread and good for you for keeping it. You really and with, with help from you and from Lisa and from George. George, absolutely. No, uh, everybody kept their eye on the prize, which was seeing your evolution throughout it. And that was just amazing. Uh, what did you think was the hardest thing about writing this book? I I think um, probably the originally when I took the first uh, class at, at, at post-college, I thought it was a one term, you know, and so I had to write a term paper. And so I kind of did that. And and, uh, uh, and and then, as I said, with help from Lisa, she said, I, I just think you ought, there's, there's more you need to say, there's more you need to do. And so I have continued to take classes with her. And uh, she's, uh, um, as you know, a published author and knows the pitfalls and just uh, um, was the mentor from the very beginning. So uh, I probably will still continue with her and, and work on maybe on the fiction book. And oh, well, she's good at fiction too. Trust me. <laughs> yes, she is. She is. But it's been a, it's, it's, um, I also found because it started with COVID where we were pretty much housebound and to see this and it opens up your mind. This is what, you know, I was focused for so many years of, what I had to do. I worked uh, over 30 years in the Syosset Public Library. And uh, so some of the research came from that. And probably my fiction book will be about a librarian. Oh. <laughs> and there's a, lots of stories in there. Not yeah. as good maybe as police stories. Or, oh. Uh, Oh, those librarians have a totally secret life going on, I'm sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> and there's there's nothing better, Susanna, than a book of, uh, a book about libraries and, and books. Yes. And people that are interested in books. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, What's good about that is uh, librarians generally love to read. So you have a built-in audience of readers. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, she could be a crime solver, Susanna. She could be someone who witnesses something and then begins doing research on her books with her books in the library and yeah. finally solves this crime, you know? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it, it, that's the nice part about fiction. It gives you that leeway to, yeah, to do yeah. that. And uh, um, I was enjoying your Southern accent because my, as 
you know, Stephanie said my life has been rather unusual and I moved quite a bit um, from the time I was born in Washington, D.C. and through the South and finally settled in New York when I was in eighth grade. But the Southern accent, I, it doesn't take me long to be around uh, Southerners, but I find it creeping back in. <laughs> it, it, the, I, I, love, I love the South and that was a really good experience for me too. It is a wonderfully slow way of yeah. dealing with life. So I it is. It. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. And it's so beautiful here. I hope if I come to New York, y'all all have to come down here. Okay. <laughs> I, I live, I live in a little we'll town called Beaufort, South Carolina. It's right on the water. And nice. it's huge, magnificent oak trees with Spanish moss draped all over the place. Wow and the pluff mud and it everything blooms year round and it's it's just a gracious way to live still where, where were you born actually i was born in richmond virginia oh were you okay <laughs> and i've lived all over like you mississippi uh -huh. texas georgia okay <laughs> so tennessee so Somewhat know. homebound. I I have not left New York, and uh, <laughs> oh my the goodness, furthest, the furthest I've gone is across the, uh, the 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 divide into Queens, and now I'm in Queens. <laughs> so I mean, I've done a lot of traveling, and um, and I've been to South Carolina, and have some, and and my wife has some friends down there. But I know Buford. I can't think of why I know that name or that city. Um, South is, of it's, direct, it's squarely in between Charleston to the north and Savannah to the south. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I've been to both places and um, well, maybe just home, passing. Yeah, it's the, the home, home of Pat Conroy. Okay. Um, I'm a maybe that's where. Pat. Yeah, I'm maybe a that's it. at the Pat Conroy Literary Center. And, you know, it's just amazing. It's just wonderful yeah. to have that here. And his wife, his family, his sister. So... It's a yeah. great place to live. Uh, that's great. Sounds wonderful. Sounds well, Michael, wonderful. I'm with you. I've traveled to 50 states and 30 countries, and I still live five miles from the hospital where I was born in Queens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly it. Well, the hospital I was born in doesn't exist any longer, Stephanie. It's <laughs> gone. It's 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 changed, and uh, it was... I think knocked down is probably knowing Brooklyn is probably condominiums now or something because <laughs> every um, you know New York is is uh, the city has really changed so much that at, particularly around this neighborhood I live in Long Island City Astoria area and every hole in the ground becomes a six family or an uh, <laughs> a six floor or eight floor you know apartment building it's just it's just unreal and Michael. Uh, I I think it's a library was built there and there's a dead body. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the librarian did it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think Susanna is going to get very hooked on this whole I can write whatever I want and it doesn't have to be true. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know that's Susanna, wait wait till you sit down at the at your computer and start right. to do that. Yeah. And it's really such a it's 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 freeing. It's it's yeah. really just a wonderful experience, you know, to to take something, you know, and to yeah. now maybe mold it in a way that you wanted it to be or that the oh. way you think it should be. And uh, and you can do that when you write fiction. So uh, yeah. it's I'm inspired. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, be, be prepared for your characters to talk to you. They get in your head. 
and they tell you who they are and they they'll wake me up in the middle of the night and say I don't like that scene you put me in you need to take me out of that so I don't know, were you were you in my dream last night? I dreamt about what I'm writing now. And I do the same thing. The character says, I will wake up, grab my phone and go to the notes on my iPhone yes. and start yes. to write a scene based on what I've just dreamt. And it's yeah. um, but, you know, I used to do that when I was trying cases and I was writing summations. I'd be I would write a summation after I had been in my uh, in my garage at the time, working out on the on the machines that I had in there, and I'd be thinking about it, and I would always have to have a pad next to the whatever machine I was working on because that's when the thought came to me about something I needed to put into the summation, and I would yeah. and I would write it down, and um, it, it was so. I, I it's amazing you said that, Donna, because I, I, I you have some characters that I don't think you want visiting you in your dreams. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I got. That. I got that. And, uh, but they do. And you know, the other yeah. place I, I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic and I, and I go to the mass every Sunday or Saturday evening, whatever, whatever, you know, I, my schedule allows me to do. And I have to tell you that, uh, I always ask God to give to, and thank him for inspiration because he has been inspiring to me. And, um, and I have thought of more ideas for both book one and book two sitting in at mass and i know maybe i'm committing a blasphemy because i should be <laughs> listening to the priest but the idea is and i and i can't take out my phone and and write it so as soon as i leave church i get into my car and i get the phone out and i write in my notepad what i what i thought about and that is a god's honest truth it's it's unbelievable but um it <laughs> It, it's work. You know, it's I work. do. My characters come to me, not only my dreams and at night and wake me up, but when I walk, I'm a walker and I walk most mornings and they they come to me on that walk. It's yes. just amazing. And I've got my phone and then I'm going, oh, I'm going to get, get killed because I'm not watching where I'm going. <laughs> and you don't want to forget what you thought about because it's brilliant when you first think about it. But when you yes. try to write it, it doesn't necessarily come out the same way if you wait too long to, to put it down somewhere so yes you, you've um, got to capture those thoughts right away exactly while they're fresh and pure yep. so, yeah um, well so. you three have certainly inspired i i'm sure dozens of books out there yes are <laughs> going gonna, to be written off uh, this inspiration yeah i was going to say stephanie i haven't been able to write the ending to the third book which that's something I often do first. I don't, it's, I'm sort of goal oriented that way. And Kat is not interested in an ending. So <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> okay, because Michael told me that Satan's not interested in backing down in his series. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's he's going he's going for the for the prize. And um, I think he'll only be happy if the Brooklyn Bridge collapses one day, you know, and uh, then he'll oh. He'll oh, move horrible. on to someplace else. Yeah, that is horrible. But he's a horrible guy. You know, I mean, so. he's kind of a horrible guy. That's very, yeah. very true. Yeah. He's kind of wow. a horrible guy. Well, you have certainly inspired me. I've always wanted, um, I've never written fiction myself. I write, oh. I write and I ghostwrite nonfiction. Um, you know, five titles that I've written and probably a dozen that I've ghostwritten, but always nonfiction. And I've always had in the back of my head, 
I do want to write fiction. Um, Donna, after reading your book, I decided that I had to go to Italy for a month. And that's when I was going to suddenly get inspired. That's right. Balcony. <laughs> I'm not go. sure when I'm going to have time for this month in Italy. But <laughs> you'll make it. You'll make it. Yeah, you'll, you'll do with it. With computers and our phones and WhatsApp and all that sort of stuff. So, so Susanna, maybe, maybe you need to, you know, set the scene. Maybe you need to, you know, write. I know people who have written their books um, in a particular place. I mean, writer's retreats is all the rage, but maybe you need to go to that library and get yourself a nice little corner and sit there in the corner. And that's when it's all going to start to mm -hmm. flow because you're in the right place. I think that's, that's a big help. And I also think that, the, you know, having lived some of the experiences and then you go into a library and I mentioned in the book that I was privileged to go to what we call ALA, which is the American Library Association that have conventions every couple of years. And uh, it was it was in California and it was at the time when uh, we were just sending satellites into space to get information. The speaker at the con convention said, who's going to collect this data? Who's going to store it? Who's going to have access to it? And it just keeps growing, you know. So there's so much there. Jana, you mentioned the Syosset Library. I, I'm doing a. Uh, I was asked to to be at a an author's showcase Saturday? on Saturday. At I'm going to be there. Oh, you will. Oh, well, I then will I'll introduce myself and and I'm happy to see you. I, yeah, I that'll wanna, be great. Yeah. I just saw it in the local newspaper the other day, so I called the program person and I said I worked there 30 years and and. Uh, I just published a book. I said it would be all right if I came and brought my book. And then she invited me to to come. So I've never done one before. Have you done them before? I've done only the one that Stephanie set up for us and set, okay. set up for me. Oh, last year. This is my one. first time. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. but I have been speaking. I've, I'm part of a, of a of an organization now that sets up true crime talks to library um, libraries all through Nassau and Suffolk County. And I've done yes. a lot of those. But this is uh, my first one with uh, with uh, this group, this or this author's showcase. I'm looking forward to it. So I think it'd be good. Well, we'll meet you there. Yes. I'm delighted that you two are going to meet in person, Don. I feel like we're getting left out here. But I know. I'm really <laughs> come on, come on, y'all come. <laughs> well, before we go, let me remind our viewers because we want you, our viewers, of course reading these fabulous books and hey if you want to write some books and get on our show you go right ahead uh Susanna Pratt the author of How Do You Do My Name is Sue uh, a fabulous memoir of 90 years of adventure and watch out because there's more books in her so <laughs> you better start now because there's more to come Fallen Angel, The War for the Soul of Brooklyn by Michael Vecchione. This is book two. You'll definitely want to grab book one and book two. And then, of course, three, four and whatever else happens. Because <laughs> I hear that Satan is not backing down. <laughs> and then finally, The Red Starfish by Donna Keel Armour. It's the mystery series book one, which means that there's much more to go. And if you were listening to this, you heard that Kat is not ready, ready to let go of this yet. So who knows what's to come, but our authors have been truly inspiring for all of our readers, writers out there. So uh, thanks for joining us, by the way, if you happen to be in Syosset on Friday night, you can meet two of our authors there at the library. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Saturday at one. Saturday, Saturday at one. Yeah, Thank one. you.
Saturday at one, make sure you go there, but also please follow our authors online and us so that you can get all of the news about them because they are just fabulous. You're going to want to keep up. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. Thank, Thank you, you, Stephanie. Thank you. Wonderful. Stephanie.